The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you have Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in John chapter 10. I'm not going to go long with you since we had that, uh, the missions team introduction, uh, but I do want to talk to you uh, about secure confidence in the Lord. I think as the church, a lot of times, we don't have the confidence that God really desires for us to have as children of God, as his church, as his Flock, and so I, I don't know if if you, you're into uh, news, but uh, one thing that I kept seeing in the news this week uh, was the uh, Michael Orr uh, Blindside articles. Have, you guys know what I'm talking about. How many of you guys have seen the movie Blindside? That, okay, so if you haven't seen what that is, it's uh, based on a true story, and Blindside is about a, a, a Memphis boy named Michael Orr. And he's a you know, 6'4", 300-pound uh, lineman. And so uh, Michael Orr had been in foster care since uh, he was 11 years old. He says that he went to uh, 11 schools in nine years. That's moving around a lot. Uh, and, and eventually he ended up homeless. And you can see that kind of through the movie. But then there was this family that came, and they opened their hearts, and they opened their home. They knew that this kid needed some help. He needed a family needed community, needed some clothes, needed some food, needed to have some, some stability in his life. And so they come and they, they, begin, they begin to bring Michael in uh, as he was a teenager. Well, lo and behold, Michael Orr became a football store, star because that's what you do when you're 6'4 and 300 pounds. Now, he's, he's athletic, and, 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 and he's playing for his high school team, and he's, he's doing really good, and he goes to the University of Mississippi, and then he was drafted, and then he played eight seasons in the NFL. All this is part of the movie. Michael Orr, after being brought in by this family, said that up to this year that he believed that when he was 18, he signed some papers and that he believed that those uh, were adoption papers. But the news story that came out this week was those weren't actually adoption papers. That he wasn't actually adopted, that he, uh, he wasn't adopted. And the truth is, is that uh, he, he entered into a, a conservatorship agreement, which is just like a, a power of uh, attorney uh, on the family's behalf. And now they made this big movie about this and all these things. And so he, 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 20 years later, he realizes, I'm not actually a part of that family. Interesting. The reason I bring that up is because there's a lot of people who think or believe that they are adopted into the family of God, yet Jesus says, actually, you're mistaken. And so only through Jesus Christ can that adoption take place. What we talked about last week was Ephesians 1, verse 5. It says that in love... He, God the Father, predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And so the Bible's going to use this term adoption or sons or daughters or heirs or co-heirs with Christ. And so what happens is we understand that in Christ, through Christ, we are actually adopted into God's family. It says that he adopts us through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will 
to the praise of his glorious grace. And, and so some people think, well, you know, I'm, I'm in God's family because I go to God's household. Or maybe I'm part of God's family because I prayed a prayer once. Or maybe I'm part of God's family because I do some religious things. And, and so in the Bible, what the Bible's going to say is that not only are we mistaken if we think those things make us adopted, But what happens is we always fear if we really are in the family. And so while at the same time, there's people who believe they're adopted when they're actually not. At the same time, there's other people who have truly been brought into God's family through Jesus Christ. Yet, they live their lives in fear like that may not be true. And so we're always wondering, am I really part of God's family? Am I I really a child of God? Is he he really brought me to himself? And, and, And so I've met so many people who lack a secure confidence in their salvation, in their inheritance, in who God says they are. And I think maybe because every religion in the world would have this kind of works-based righteousness. You know what I mean when I say that, works-based righteousness? It, it's I've got to work real hard or I've got to climb some religious ladder so that God would be pleased with me and he would accept me on his team or in his family. And so what happens when we live in a works-based society, it automatically keeps people in fear, doesn't it? Because it equates my performance with my adoption. If I'm not performing, then maybe I'm not really in God's family. So if I am good enough, God would welcome me into the family. If I'm not good enough, then he won't. But we'll see at the end of time. Now the problem is of this idea of being good enough is that the Bible tells us that none of us are good enough. I know that that's maybe a shocker to you, but Romans 3, 10 and 11, it says that no one is righteous, not even one. That no one does good, no one understands, no one seeks for God. We have all turned aside, we've all together have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And so if it is, I have to be a good boy or I have to be a good girl to somehow earn my favor into God's family, then the problem is is that we can't be good enough. Verse 19, it says, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world would be held accountable to God for by works of the law, no human being would be justified in his sight. No one will be justified, no one will be chosen, no one will be brought in by their religious resume. Verse 21 and 22, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been made known or has been seen or been manifested apart from the law. So it's not that we work real hard or keep the law, but rather the righteousness of God comes through faith in Christ for all who believe. So now it's not a a spiritual resume measurement, now it's for those who believe. I want you to imagine for a moment. Imagine a loving parent would constantly want their children to question whether they're not in the family or not. Does that make sense? Does it, does it make sense to us to think that God 
would always want his children to question or doubt or not understand, oh, maybe I'm in the family, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. I, I better do some things so that God would be pleased with Do you think a loving God would want his children to live their life unassured? No. When you belong to Jesus, the Bible says you belong in God's family. And God's family is known as the church. And last week we talked about that when we connect to God's family, we find true stability. But it is possible it is possible to be connected to something that is stable, like the church, but fear, security, and confidence. Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid, little flock. <laughs> Don't you love how he calls us the little flock? He's petting our little ears. So cute. He says, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When Jesus calls us the flock or little flock, it, it helps us understand how fragile we are, how, how weak before God we are, how, how we have a tendency to doubt or fear because sheep are skittish, right? And, and, so, and so he says, he says okay, you're, you're like little sheep, but I don't want you to be, be afraid. And Jesus desires us to have a secure kingdom confidence that comes in Christ. And so when the Bible refers to God's people as a flock, He's not saying like we're a flock of seagulls flying around just aimlessly looking for some crumb to scavenge. He's not saying that we're a, a, like, a, like a flock of birds. And God's flock is a reference to sheep, sheep who are his, sheep who are led by him. Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. In Christ we are his. In Christ we are his people. In Christ we are his sheep of his pasture. Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, so we're sheep. That doesn't sound pretty awesome. I, I, I mean, what's so exciting about being a sheep? I mean, aren't sheep clueless? I mean, don't they, don't they have really small brains? And, and so if, if, if I'm standing here saying the Bible is going to refer to us as sheep, you're thinking, I don't want to be a sheep. Right? You ask any kid, right? Hey, hey, if you were an animal, which one would it be? Guess what's not coming out of their mouth? Sheep. Right? I mean, I mean how about a bear? How many of you would rather be a bear? Those are awesome, right? A bear, maybe, maybe a lion or, 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 or an eagle because we want to fly, right? And it's still got those talons so you can like kill stuff. Super awesome. So, so, so if you're going to be referred to as an animal, 
we would say, you know what, I want to be an eagle. That would be awesome. But unfortunately, the Bible never calls us eagles. It calls us sheep. It does say in, I think, Isaiah 40 that if we wait on the Lord, we'll mount up on wings like eagles, but we're not eagles. We're not. We're sheep. The Bible refers to God's people as sheep. God refers to us as sheep to help us understand how helpless we are on our own how defenseless we are against the schemes and the temptations of the enemy. And so without a good shepherd, sheep have no natural defenses against predators, which means we too have no natural really defense against spiritual predators or attacks or, 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 or a secure confidence in who we are as sheep because nobody's saying, oh, I'm an awesome sheep. I can handle this. I can take care of this. I can do this. First Peter 5, 8 says your adversary, the devil, actually prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Sheep, that's what they eat. Devour your confidence. Devour your witness. Devour God's word from your heart. Devour God's truth from the land. Devour anyone. Any little sheep that may get out of the flock, the devil is looking to devour. Let me ask you, do you think the enemy trembles at the sound of your name? I know we live in a world where we're supposed to be strong and tough. And we can make it. Just do it. But do you, do you, do you think that, that the enemy trembles at your spiritual resume or how often you go to church? Do you think the enemy trembles at your philosophical intellect or your ability to break down scripture? Do you think that the, the enemy actually trembles at your religious achievements as sheep? Like, like when a lion roars, he startles the prey, and it casts fear within the enemy. But when we roar, the enemy hears, bah. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. For all of these messages out there that say, oh, just be strong enough, just be good enough, you can do it. We're sheep. Sheep have to be protected by shepherds. And the shepherd will only allow his own in the sheepfold. Let's look at John chapter 10. This is red letter, so this is Christ. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own. Everyone say his own. He calls to his own sheep by name, and he, the good shepherd, leads them out. When he has brought them out, when he's brought out all his own, say his own. When he's brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
Jesus is using a figure of speech here. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, those who keep the law and keep the commandments and earn their righteousness before God by the things that they do. And Jesus, he tells them this story about a shepherd and a sheep. He says they hear the voice of the shepherd. They are his sheep. They are his flock. But they didn't understand what he was saying, so Jesus had to explain. Look in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. In case you're confused how to get into the sheepfold, how to come into the flock, how to be welcomed into God's family, he says, I'm the door. That's pretty bold. It actually gets worse. He says, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, the thief, he comes only to kill, uh, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Isn't it interesting that there's no other way to enter the sheepfold other than the door? Some people say Christianity is so narrow. Jesus is narrow. He's the door. There's no other way. Jesus says, I'm the door through which you must enter. You must enter the sheepfold through him. But when you enter the sheepfold through him, what do you find? Abundant life. Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, comes to kill, comes to destroy, comes to deceive the sheep. Maybe say, oh, there's other ways to get into God's family. Maybe there's other ways that you can get to heaven. Maybe you can just simply turn and go through another door or another way to life or maybe offer alternative waves or alternative options or maybe more progressive options. Maybe that way you can maybe go in the side door and get into God's family. Some other ways that are not as narrow. When you belong in Christ's flock, your confidence comes from the goodness of your shepherd. Look in verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... Who does not own, say own, does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, when we receive Jesus Christ by faith, the good shepherd has saved you by laying down his life for you. Jesus is the Lamb of God who lays down his life for the sins of the world. In that case, you belong to Christ's flock. Now look in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Everyone say own. I know my own. And my own, say my own. My own know me. Do you see how there's possession there? I know who mine are, 
and mine also know me. Listen to what it says. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So when Jesus says, I know my own, he means that he knows us at least by name. That he knows at least who we are. He, he knows us as individuals, and he knows us intimately and personally. In Christ, we are not just an anonymous herd of, of wandering sheep or lost in the flock. Not only does God, Jesus, our good shepherd, know us, but he says, my own know me. Well, in what way? He says, they know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Jesus compares the way he knows his Father in heaven to the way that he knows his sheep. Jesus sees himself in the Father. He sees himself in the sheep. He sees his brand, his marking, his label on the sheep. They are his own. They belong to the good shepherd. It's kind of hard to overemphasize what a tremendous privilege it is to be a sheep of Christ. That he would take care of us, that he would die for us, that he would lead us, that he would call to us, that we would know him and he would know us. So if we are his sheep, where does our confidence come from? How can you and I be confident that I'm part of the sheepfold. How can I be assured that Jesus is my good shepherd and he will lead me to an everlasting kingdom? Well, the answer is in verse 16. Jesus says, I have, everyone say have. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must, say must, I must bring them also, and they will, say will. They will listen to my voice. I have sheep, I must bring them, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one Shepherd, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. The foundation of our confidence as Christ's sheep, it comes as we understand how we become Christ's flock. How do you and I become part of the sheepfold? 10.16, it says, I have other sheep. They are not of this fold. I must bring them. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Let me tell you what that means. Jesus has sheep. And he has them before they come to him. Otherwise, he would not say, I must bring them also. I have them. 
I must go get them. They are already mine. How can Jesus have his own sheep before he calls to them? How do his own hear his voice and respond by faith and come to him? The answer is that they are given already by God the Father. They already belong to God the Father. He gives these sheep to his son. John 6, 37 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. I don't lose things, Jesus says. My Father gives me sheep. I will bring them to myself. They will come to me. The Father has them before they come to Jesus. Verse 16 says, I have other sheep. I must bring them. The word must is crucial to our confidence. Jesus doesn't fail, does he? Jesus does exactly what he says he's going to do, and he does it perfectly. He is the good shepherd. He says, I must go get my sheep. Your salvation is included in this must. And there is the must of Jesus' divine necessity to bring his sheep, And there is the must of our divine security that says we've been bought by Jesus Christ. The Father has chosen them. Jesus will lay down his life for them. Jesus is the good shepherd. He must bring his sheep into the pasture. Imagine Jesus having a bunch of sheep but loses a bunch. And then on the day of his return... He says, well, Father, I know you gave me a lot of sheep. I just lost half of them. That's not what happens. In other words, there's no question. Those who are his will be brought. It's not possible that the father would choose a flock for the son and then give them to the son and that the son does not bring them home. The salvation of Christ's sheep must take place. And so how does Jesus bring them? As the good shepherd. How did he bring you into the flock? This is where our confidence lies. He brings us by his word. Namely, he calls to them. And when he calls to them, guess what happens? His sheep, they know his voice. I know who that is. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. That is my good shepherd. He calls, and verse 3 says to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and then he leads them out. He brings them to himself by calling them. Jesus says with absolute authority, they will listen to my voice. They will hear my voice. How do you know? Because they're my sheep. Because they're my people. That means they will respond. They will come. Well, how do you know if we're one of his sheep? Well, you don't ask to read the book of life. You don't say, well, you know, let me pry my way in here and see if I can get into the book to see if my name is in it or else I won't have any confidence. I don't pry into God's eternal promises. No. You hear his voice. And you follow him. So when Jesus speaks, you hear the voice of God that says, come and follow me. You are his flock. 
well, Eric, what if, what if I don't come? What if I don't believe? Well, what then? Well, look in verse 25 through 27. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. Verse 26. But you do not believe. Why do I not believe? Because you are not among my sheep. The reason why you don't believe because you can't hear my voice. You are not my sheep. Because my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Believing doesn't make you a part of God's flock. Being part of God's flock enables you to believe. We need the Holy Spirit to draw us so that we can hear his voice, and when we hear his voice, we believe. Hearing and believing shows that you belong to Christ. And following Christ shows that you believe and hear. If someone should say, well, if, if I'm part of his flock before I believe, then I guess I don't need to believe in order to be saved. Well, then you would be denying the very words of Jesus. So let me ask you, why would Jesus remove every ounce of self-confidence that we might possess as sheep? Why would Jesus remove us and our self and our work and our ability completely from the equation and place our security completely and totally on the good shepherd's ability to call us and bring us into the sheepfold. Verse 16 says, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. And he gets the glory. There will be one flock, there is one shepherd, there is one door. So that promise that Jesus makes is an absolute promise. And that promise solidifies absolute security that we are absolutely his. Look, 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 in, look in John 10, verse 27 again. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And by the way, I and the Father are one. They hated this. They're like, what, what about my religious performance? What about my, my baptism? What about my, my Sunday school attendance? Didn't that count for something? Oh, they're mine. I bring them to myself. My Father has given them to me. And me and the Father are one. And no one can take them from me. This flock 
is forever. The flock is secure. The flock is confident. The flock is completely sure that we are his sheep. The first line of our secure confidence as Christ's flock comes as Christ knows us, Christ calls us, we hear his voice, we trust him as the good shepherd because Jesus is willing to lay down his life for a sheep. Here's the unbreakable chain. Follow me. Those whom the Father chose for himself, he'll also give to the Son. Those who belong to the Son, he laid down his life for. Those whom he laid down his life for, he called to himself. Those whom he called, they heard his voice and they followed him. Those who followed him, he gave eternal life. And those whom he gave eternal life can never be taken out of his hand. So that there will be one flock and one shepherd forever. This is how secure we are in Jesus How solid is our salvation in Jesus? If I could earn it, then I could unearn it. But if Jesus bought me with a price, and he laid down his life, he calls me by name, and allows me to believe and follow him, I can be confident that I am completely his. God did not choose us because we were anything special. Not 6'4", 300-pound lineman. And anything we are is because of his grace. Totally from him. The Bible says, like sheep, we've all gone astray and everyone has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray. If you're here today and you have not yet responded to the secure call of Christ, who is the door, who is the good shepherd, then your call from Christ today is to come and follow him. Today I believe as I was preaching the word, as I was reading the scripture that God was calling to some of you. And today is a day that you have an opportunity to respond to your good shepherd's call. And so Lord, I pray right now by your grace and through your Holy Spirit you would allow each one of us to hear your voice and follow you. Lord, we would trust you We would treasure you, and we would be found completely and totally secure in you and you alone. Lord, there's others here today who are yours, who you have called to yourself, who are following you. And so God, by your spirit, I ask that you would In our heart of hearts, allow us to fear not. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Lord, 
May our confidence that we have in you and your finished work and your calling and your sealing, Lord, lead us as sheep to become ambassadors. Witnesses for you. You say to your disciples, as the Father sent me, even now I'm sending you. Lord, send us. Send us, O Lord. You pray in John 17. You pray to the Father, not for these only, but for those who will believe in you through our word. God, you pray that more and more would hear your voice and come to faith in you. Jesus, I pray that you would use us, you would use this church, you would use us as sheep who are confident and secure in the good shepherd to be ambassadors for your word so that others would hear your voice and follow you. Build us, seal us, give us a confidence that only you can give by your blood. In Jesus' great name. In Jesus' name. Amen. With the few minutes that we have remaining, I'm gonna encourage you just simply listen for his voice. To respond to the Spirit's call upon you. When he says, follow me, when he says, come and trust me, that we would not leave this place and forsake that call. Let's do that now. I love you guys. Thanks.